Hey, Fifth Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What's going on, everyone? And welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings and Raycon. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And Laura, I don't know about you, but I am exhausted. (laughs) I am tired. I don't know who thought it was a good idea for my energy to bring 18 students to a conference in Indianapolis over the weekend from Thursday to Sunday. But let me tell you what it does. It takes it out of you. I am so dead. I could not even imagine doing that another day longer. Very fulfilling, very great, but I'm so tired today. (laughs) Well, I think I think you've earned that. I mean, you had to be basically on top of everything for four whole days and making sure no one died or did anything embarrassing. So, hey, let me tell you, I'm not opposed to people doing embarrassing shit. It's more so just the dying part that I'm nervous about. (laughs) I can deal with embarrassing. Embarrassing the school, I should say. That part. Yeah, I know. That's fair. Yeah, definitely not trying to lose my job on a field trip. Let me tell you that. Yeah. But you also gave two presentations and kicked total ass, so that's exciting. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I got to talk about authentic brotherhood and uh, challenging the male relationships that we have and building a real connection with with other men platonically and what that means for so many different things. And then I talked about uh, finding, so it was a really good time. I had a blast. It was good. I am really glad to be talking to our listeners, though, as opposed to college students today. Although, as much as I love doing the former, I am very excited to be back here recording an episode with you. We've got a fun one today, and, you know, it's going to be good. But before we dive into all the fun content, Ms. Laura, how are you doing on this fine Monday evening? I'm pretty good. I, you know, can't complain well i can but y'all don't need to hear that right now um but no pretty good i had some friends of mine from college that were in over the weekend so got to have dinner with them and just sort of chit chat and catch up and you know i facilitated for the first time in my new job last week as well and that was good so, yeah, and I'm, I was telling you before we started recording, I think I'm getting moving boxes this weekend. So, to now it's my turn to start the process, although it's a little bit further away. I'm just way more anal retentive and like need to start packing or I will wait till the last minute. So, yeah. So, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, take it from me, quite literally, never too early to start. I should have started in November. And I did not. So I don't blame you. I'm finally unpacking, and it feels like that's going to take me until November as well. So I should have definitely started packing things up a lot earlier than I did. Well, yeah, you're actually in the correct space. Um, I am. At this point, I'm on a casting couch. We have some video content that we're going to release from our last episode here at some point this week. And I definitely look like I am getting ready for my audition in the adult film industry. It's uh, It's quite the journey but yeah i'm in my new space i spent i got home from this conference yesterday after riding on a bus for five hours and for some reason my brain was like you know what you should do jeremy you should build your desk so (laughs) i did that 
Uh, it reminds me a lot of, if you are new here, you won't know what I'm talking about, but it reminds me a lot of the setup that I had when I was living in Athens. It's got, uh, you know, it's an L-shaped desk. So I'm, in, I'm situated in my little corner. Hopefully the sound isn't bad. If, if you're listening to this episode, hopefully folks, like you don't think that the sound is bad because I'm in a corner. And so I hope it's not like echoing and reverberating back into the mic, but it but yeah, sounds it, good to me. Oh, I love that. Uh, my, I will also say this, my like Wi-Fi is granted. I have to pay for it now. I didn't have to pay for it at my last place, but my Wi-Fi is also significantly better. And so I like it defaulted to the high quality definition broadcast. And I literally couldn't even use that when we were recording when I was living at my other place for the last year. And so this is big, big things happening here, subjectively speaking, folks. So hopefully in the next few weeks, I'm going to be able to decorate this place a little bit and kind of make it feel like home, kind of make it feel like a cool little studio that we've been talking about me having for some time now. And that'll be really good. I'm looking forward to that. So again, this is my PSA, my call out to all Blue Jackets artists. If you commission anything, or if you're selling any prints of anything, just let me know. Happy to happy to use whatever you've got and, and display here. I'll shout you out on the podcast. We'll make sure we've got a we get a few hundred up to a thousand listens per episode. So I'll market you. I'll 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 get you out there. But uh but yeah no it's it's good. I'm excited to be in this space. It feels feels official again. Not that the other place did it. I don't know. It just didn't feel like a separate place. I don't know about you, but I'm such a separation of space pe- person. And I don't know if you feel this way even recording where you do, because I know you're like really close to like your other living spaces by where you record. And I don't know mm-hmm. if that throws you off the way it throws me off, but it always threw me off. Well, for me, it's more so of a situation of like, I would record upstairs in my quote unquote spare bedroom office, but the echo is so bad. And because there's basically nothing in that room and the Wi-Fi quality isn't as great for some reason in that room. So I just got over myself and started to record in my dining room, kitchen, living room area, but I will have a, my own podcast space in my new place too. It's going to be so good. So basically whatever you're going to send me, send Laura one as well. And it'll be great. Well, we'll use them in both places and we can't wait, but Laura, we've got a good one today where we're doing our, our little player reviews and uh, well, I mean, well, how else will we introduce them? But with a cute little jingle. Absolutely. Our incredible friend, Megan, uh, she actually recorded this for us last year, but it was too late for us to use it. So we Mm -hmm. made her re-record it this year and she's going to be introducing our mid-season player reviews. A, B, C, D, what will they choose? Laura and Jeremy's player reviews. I mean, it's so catchy. My favorite thing about it is that she doesn't let you decide whether or not we're going to give out Fs. <laughs> yeah, she just took that choice away from the two of us. Well, so. she might have taken it away from you because I don't know you to be able to give out Fs to any of these players, but I don't know if she took it away from me. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah, she probably already knew that I have an inability. So That is true. Well, folks. Like like Megan told us so eloquently in the jingle, and like we're about to introduce now, it is time for our player reviews for the midterm. These are midterm grades. Uh, we're a little bit further than the midway point, of course. But if you remember right, last year when we did this, we actually looked at their their points total, and we said, are they going to finish higher or lower than the pace that they were currently on? 
Now, the issue with that is that this year, the Blue Jackets have had a myriad injuries <laughs> and have had just so many difficult situations with player movement and things like that. And we know that more player movement is to come. And so really it's not super practical for us to do that this year because I would be doing a lot of averaging to be able to, to put that together. And that doesn't sound like a great time to me. And so instead, we're just going to tell you kind of where we think they are here at, at this point at the all-star break. And then we're going to kind of go from there and then we'll reevaluate these when we get closer to the end of the season or once we end the season rather and uh, we'll go from there. But Laura, the way we're going to do this, I've got everybody in alphabetical order by their position. So we'll go forwards first, defensemen next, and then we'll wrap up with the goaltending in Columbus. Does that sound like a plan? Sounds great. Perfect. Well, first up is going to be a fun one because it's going to probably give a little bit of a chance for some controversy or maybe even a low grade to start. And that is Blue Jackets forward Emil Bemstrom. So, uh, you know, Emil Bemstrom obviously has had a little bit of a challenging year this year. He's come up and down a little bit, and even with the boomer watch that we've got going on, seeing if he can get to 50 points, it just seems like he goes up and down whether or not he can find his game. So, of course, a little bit of a challenge here so far at the start of the season for Bemmer. But, uh, you know, looking at his points, he's only played 24 games. I don't know if it feels like he's played more or less. He's got four goals, seven assists for 11 points. Laura, A, B, C, D, what do you choose? It's time for our player reviews. <laughs> so. Hit us up with yours. I'm going to give Bemmer a C. Okay. Uh, because he, it's kind of an unfortunate situation with him because I think we should have just left him in Cleveland because he was doing so well in Cleveland and it hasn't really translated back up into the NHL. And I mean, he's had some bright moments, don't get me wrong, but he definitely flourished in Cleveland and was having a really productive season there so i give him a c because i know he's trying and i know that i'm usually the one that's like super harsh on emil bemstrom but i know he's trying and i know that going to cleveland gave him back his his confidence a little bit um but it's just not translating um up to the big club so i'm gonna go with a c yeah, I had I had Bemmer at a C minus. I think that the minus comes in. I mean, everything that you just said and more, but like I think the minus comes in for me where it's like this year, especially being a year where all of these injuries are happening, and you have a player like Alexander Texier as somebody who you kind of feel like is taking over the spot that Bemmer had a, potent, a chance to get right, and for him to not grasp that and for him to have some struggles here and not really just be able to to take advantage of that opportunity, I think that gives him a little bit more of a demerit in my eyes, but I don't think that this Bemstrom experiment is over. I don't think that I'm ready to give up on it quite yet, but there's definitely some improvement that needs to happen here between now and the end of the season, especially considering the fact that you've got a player like our next player who's getting ready to come back from injury. And that is Igor Chinnikov. So Igor Chinnikov, you know, I was surprised when I was looking at his stats because for some reason in my head, I mean, obviously he's been out for, for a long period of time. There's no denying that, but for me, it definitely did not, I feel like he had played 30 games before he got hurt. He got hurt on December 19th against the Stars, and from there on, uh, he, he's been on the bench. But he's he played in 30 games, and in those 30 games, four goals, nine assists, and 13 points for the Blue Jackets sophomore. So, Laura, just what do you think about his, you know, I, I, you know, I'll ask you a different question because I feel like I'll ask you the same one for everybody, but how excited are you for him to come back to the lineup soon? He's been skating, so hopefully he's close to a return. So, how excited are you for, for him to come back to the lineup? And do you think that he's going to give this team a little bit of a spark? 
Oh, I'm really excited for him to return to the lineup. I think we mentioned it in our our last episode when there was sort of like the first mention of him skating with the team. And it does sound like he's going to be back um, either immediately after the break is over or shortly thereafter. Um, and I'm excited because he's a young guy. He's really passionate and really excited to just be having the opportunity um, to play hockey. His his personality is a lot more shy, but like his energy and commitment reminds me a lot of Marchenko's just like really grateful to have the opportunity um, and being injured is like really frustrating for him. I'm, I'm assuming, especially cause like, you know, he's over here, you know, all by himself, like, and not being able to play, like there's not going to be much to do. So um, I think he's excited. I know fans will be excited. Um but it's definitely been a bit of a rocky start. So do you want me to give him my grade now or do you want to go first? No, I mean, I, I'm cool either way. Maybe I can go off a little bit. Maybe I'll switch it up. I'll, I can give my grade first. I think with him, you know, I felt like before he got injured, he was really starting to find it a little bit. I felt pretty good about where he was at. And, and that just kind of goes to show you how the season has gone for the Blue Jackets in terms of just play, but also in terms of development of these rookies that are young players, excuse me, that really need that ice time and need that experience. And so my hope is that he'll obviously come back from injury with, with a little bit of a sense of, you know, hey, this is where I left off and I'm just going to keep going from there. But but I think with Chinny, I think we felt I, – I think that he has been – the better of the forwards from last season, which is the flip of what you would expect. I think obviously it would be no no hard argument to say that Cole Sillinger had a, be- a better rookie year than Igor Chinnikov, and so you kind of expected that to maybe carry through the sophomore year. I don't know that it has. I don't know that I agree with that. I mean, obviously Cole's been able to play more, but I felt like Chinny was getting there when he got hurt, and so I'm going to give Chinny a B-. minus. I, I think that there's still room for him, obviously, to grow and to, to become better. But I definitely see some improvements from what I saw last year, and it seems like he sized up a little bit. So I'm a Chinny fan. I think everybody – I don't really know anybody who's, like, anti-Igor Chinnikov in this fandom, but if there are for those folks, I mean, tell them to let me know because I haven't really seen any of them. So I know we're all kind of rooting for him. So I'm going to give him a B-. minus. Laura, where do you where do you find yourself? Here's our first try because I'm also giving him a B minus. Um, yeah, I think he, much like you said, he was starting to find his his rhythm a little bit um, prior to um, his injury, and you know that's such a discouraging thing for a young player too, like to finally feel like you're getting your rhythm in a difficult season and then get strapped like saddled with you know a pretty significant injury, um, but he's been more consistent than Cole Sillinger. So if we're looking at the two, um, I definitely think he's been more consistent he's had the stronger sophomore season Um, and his effort and his like enthusiasm is there. So B minus for Chinny and hoping for, you know, a, a step up or two by the time we do end of season grades. Yeah. I could sincerely see this being a situation where that goes, I don't think it's going to stay to B minus. It's either going down a lot or up a lot. I feel like he's going to come back either ready to go or he's going to struggle getting back into it. But speaking of struggle, <laughs> F is for Liam Foodie. Uh, Liam Foodie is obviously it's no stranger to the struggle at this point with the Blue Jackets. He's had 
a challenging season where he's found himself a healthy scratch on a good handful of nights. But really, the only reason he's seen the ice this season has been because of the injuries that have happened across the board. He's got three assists in 31 games. That's where he's sitting at. He's got three points, and that's it. And in his defense... He has uh, he oftentimes is the biggest victim of the Blue Jackets boggle that Laura knows and loves, and so he hasn't been consistent at all. But neither has his his spot on the ice. Neither has his playing time. And so I'll give a little bit of grace there. But the reality is, like this is not working. Yeah, um, he's oftentimes too when Lars decides to shorten the bench. Like he's the first player to. Um, lose his ice time and you know we've talked about it before and you know again I'm partial to him because he was like the first draft that I really paid attention to and he really does feel like the the draft pick that slipped through the cracks like you know whether it be timing whether it be COVID whether it be you know just they couldn't find like a good way to work on his development, but like Liam Foodie has just really gotten the short end of the stick in this situation. And to be, to have played in as many NHL games as he has, and to still not have a regular season NHL goal as a forward, like this kid can't buy a goal at this point. And like every single time he's on the ice and doing anything, I just like cross my fingers and pray that this will be the moment. Like this will be the time because who knows what, how he's going to feel after he gets that first regular season goal. Like that has to be such a burden on him to have played this many games and just not had that moment. Um, But yeah, it's going to be, it's it's going to be hard to watch what happens with him and it's been hard to watch him struggle and make the struggle even more complicated with a entirely difficult season and just being like the you know the person that comes in if there's an injury or the person that comes in if Lars is deciding to punish another forward like so it that can't be a good feeling either, but it's been, it's been a rough road for Liam Foodie and, you know, by no fault of his own and kind of, you know, just him being failed entirely by our system. I think I have to give him a C minus so far. A C minus. I feel bad. It's an F for me. Like it's an F. (laughs) It, like, you can't, like, no. Are you kidding me? A C minus? There's no way. Like, because everything you just described is failure. <laughs> everything that you just described. Okay, what if a, I change it to a D? F means failure. So, I mean, like, you're still, like, I still think you're giving him a little bit of a curve. Because Liam Foody started the season in four, his first four games, he had three assists. Three assists in his first four games in the last 27 has not had an assist at all. No points, no nothing. And this is the kind of player that like he he does play a decent 200 foot game. He's utilized in power or in penalty kill situations, but like to that point, still nothing going. Still nothing going for Liam Foodie. He's a he's supposed to be skilled, right? The thing we always hear is 
once Liam Foodie figures out a couple of things, the skill is going to take him over the top and make him a decent, decent NHL prospect, a decent NHL player. That has not happened. That is not going to happen, I don't think, in Columbus. I think it could happen for him elsewhere. I don't think it's going to happen in Columbus. That is just run out. Um, in a lot of ways, he kind of reminds me of Sonny Milano. And if he can leave here and go and sign a three-year, $1.9 million deal with somebody like the Washington Capitals, good on him. But I, it's just not working here. And he, it's an F for me. So I love Liam Foody, and I hope that he finds his game. Like, I mean, like, I think everybody wants that. I have nothing but good things to say about him. But, yeah, I would like to see more. <laughs> <laughs> what I have seen from Liam Foodie. And to your point, not all of his own fault. Uh, obviously, COVID and the taxi squad and all of that kind of stuff. All of those things, I think, really did play uh, an effect into his development overall. But to be fair, there are other players that had that happen to them as well. And not all of them aren't able to make the 32nd best team in the NHL. Warranted. Yeah. But make so, sure the official record states that I did change my grade to a D. Oh, okay. I'll I'll change that. I do have you still written down as a C minus. So I'll change that on our little note tracker here so that way we can keep it going. But Laura, the the next one is like total opposite and totally and incredibly incomparable to Liam Foody, and that is Johnny Gaudreau. Johnny Gaudreau is uh coming off of a pretty cool all-star performance hat trick in the in the game in which the Metro got absolutely demolished by by the central or not by the central by the Atlantic um, by a score of 10 to six. So uh, goaltending at a premium there. And that one, as, as yeah, but three six came from our boy, our star. Yeah. It was the former Calgary flame show. If I remember correctly, because I think Matthew Kachuk had three goals as well in that game. And then I know he ended up being named the all-star MVP. Um, but still, I, yeah, it just good on Johnny. I, I think when you look at, when you look at this season and when you look at what Johnny has accomplished on a team that quite frankly, at times sometimes doesn't look like it remembers what sport it's playing for his being able to, to stay near a point per game pace. I mean, like this is a blue jackets team that didn't have a point per game player really until Artemi Panarin and Artemi Panarin had the likes of players around him, like a Cam Atkinson who was putting away every single pass that, <laughs> Artemi Panarin gave him, which uh, funny enough, also looked a lot like the All-Star game. I wondered how you took Artemi Panarin and Johnny Gaudreau skating together, but I'll digress. Oh, uh, I saw all the tweets. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing that he's been able to keep up with some level of production, and obviously it is down from where it was last year. Like, there's no denying that. But 14 goals and 35 assists in 51 games. He's got 49 points in 51. I think you have to be – like, I mean, like, you're happy about this as a Blue Jackets fan, I think. I mean, like, I I feel pretty happy with, with his performance at this point. I mean, he only had 49 points in 56 games with Calgary in the shortened season. And so, you know – and that was a team that was not bad. Not it was not this team. I, you know, seven in the year before that, he had seventy games, fifty-eight points. I mean, he's gonna blow those things out of the water. This isn't. If you look at his career, this is not anything drastically below his average, with the exception of last year, where he just absolutely lit the league on fire and had one hundred fifteen points in an eighteen nineteen when he had ninety nine. Uh, and he still very easily could get to the 80-point threshold. I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility for him. So I'm going to give him a B plus. 
I, I think the reason I'm not going high, going to an A is I don't think he's been exactly what he needs to be on the power play for the Jackets. Granted, who the fuck has? Um, to be fair, but B plus for Johnny Goudreau for me. Yeah, I'm giving him a B. Um, I think that uh, coming into everything, obviously, this is a big transition for him as well. Like he played his whole career up till now with Calgary, and like make having the stress of making this big decision to come to Columbus, having the stress of um, having a, a baby and becoming a first time father, and then having the stress of coming to a team that is not functional like but still having to maintain like your image of the bigger picture and like that in and of itself is exhausting I mean we're just fans and we find it exhausting sometimes having to like remind ourselves of the bigger picture and that things are going to be worth it down the line but like to physically be in there um and also to I don't know how how much he thought he would be taking on any sort of like leadership role when he came here. Like, um, so that is an additive as well. And it's just been, you know, I think if you asked him, like he would say, you know, I'm, I'm doing the best that I can with what I've got and how I'm, you know, reacting to everything. But I think he's probably a little bit disappointed in, in his performance at, you know, over the course of this season, but there's really no one on this team that isn't somewhat disappointed or really disappointed in their performance. So, you know, he's our guy and he's going to be our guy for the next seven years. And I like, I know he's putting in the effort. I mean, he's the only one now that has played every single game and, you know, he's our all-star obviously, but he's made the most of the circumstances and he is staying positive, which is a really great thing to have. So I'm going to give him a B. Yeah, I think that's very fair. And uh, B is for Boone Jenner. Boone Jenner is the next player we're going to look at our captain, you know, a little bit of an interesting season for Boone, obviously coming uh, in and out of the lineup with injuries here and there, but ultimately every time he's come back from injury, he's been the same Boone Jenner that we all know and love, which has been really exciting. I think when a player comes in and out of the lineup every now and again, it's a little bit hard for them to stay on, on pace. And he's done exactly that though. In 40 games, he's got 14 goals, 12 assists for 26 points. And so, you know, for him to, to be tied with Johnny Gaudreau in terms of goals scored so far this season, I mean, that's a huge win for him, especially because he's played 11 less games. I mean, 14 goals in 40 games is, you know, you're looking at a 28-goal pace for the year, 29-goal pace. So if he really picks it up here on the back half of the year, it's not impossible to imagine him getting a second 30-goal 30 30-goal uh, 30 season of his career, which would be a huge grab for the Jackets. I mean, he was on pace to do that last year, no doubt, before he got hurt. This year he looks like he's on pace to do the same, and so that has to feel good for Boone Jenner. I, I think that he's done everything you want him to do. I don't, I don't know what I've been missing out of Boone. And I, when I look at this, I mean, it's hard for me to give him less than a B plus. And I think maybe even I'm going to go and go ahead and give him an A minus so far on the way he's played this year. Uh, I haven't really had many things to say that were negative about his game. Yeah. I'm also going to go with an A minus. Um, Cause I think one of the crucial things in looking at Boone's tenure is last year he got short, 
cut because of it, his back injury. So he missed the last 20, 25 games of the season. And, you know, with something as substantial as his back injury was, I think a lot of us came into this season a little bit concerned if he was going to be able to, you know, really return to that kind of presence and that kind of pace. And I think he's done exceptionally well. And I think he's transitioned without any real difficulty or slowdown period. And like you said, he's done everything that a, a fan or a coach can expect from Boone, Boone Jenner. He's still continued to maintain a really high face-off percentage. I mean, when he's not in our lineup, our face-off percentage is meek <laughs> to say the least. And like, again, I think he's become even more confident in his second year as captain and, and, you know, we've talked about it a few weeks ago, just like the energy and the presence that he has just being back in the lineup um, and what that does for the team. So I think that that speaks to a lot. And so I, I don't know that there's much more that we can ask from him in this in these circumstances and what the team has been going through. So a minus for Boone from me, too. Yeah, yeah, I Gotta love where Boone's at, especially like what you said, his face-off percentage. He is on pace, like right now if the season ended today, it would be his highest percentage of his career at 55.53% so far this season. He has not been under 50% in his NHL career since 2014-2015. It's impressive stuff. He's 54.1% on his career. And he's, like you said, when the Jackets don't have him on the ice, they are a liability in the dot. And thankfully for this year, they don't have to worry about that because he's good to go. No more broken thumbs. Please, Boone. We would appreciate it. Um, and uh, if you're a team that's inquiring about the rights of Boone Jenner, uh, kindly fuck off. Exactly. Cheers. Anywho, uh, speaking of a player who, if you're inquiring about the rights, you can kindly fuck off. Uh, Ken Johnson. Um, you know, we all know and love Kent KJ, a little bit of, a little bit of Clark Kent, if you will, a little bit of our Superman. But, you know, he hasn't necessarily always been that all season. You know, I think at the beginning of the season, some folks were a little bit disappointed by the way he got started. I know some folks expected him to come into the NHL and really start just putting putting pucks in the back of the net right away. And he hasn't done that in le- until about halfway through the half, like about a quarter way through the season. That's when we saw Ken Johnson really start to – you know, feel comfortable. And a lot of that, in all honesty, is like he was getting more opportunity with the injuries that began to plague the Blue Jackets and take advantage of those opportunities he has, Laura. He's got 10 goals, 14 assists in 48 games. So he's going to probably finish the season around 40 points as long as he stays on this pace, which is a really, really great uh, season. I can't remember if this is technically, I think it's considered his rookie season technically because of the number of games he played last year. And so it would be one of the better rookie seasons in blue jackets history. And I'm not convinced that he can't pick up the pace and maybe even go a little bit higher than those 40 points with the way that he's been playing as of late. This is somebody that the blue jackets really can rely on. And on a night where your veterans aren't getting going, you can always find Kent Johnson on the score sheet even if it's a Blue Jackets loss, Kent is not afraid to do what he needs to to will this team to a win. And that's just going to progress into something really magical for the Blue Jackets in the future. I, you know, I think the first part of his season, I probably would have said he was at a C, C plus. But the way that he's played leading into the All-Star break and, and hopefully with the way he'll continue to play, it's hard to give him lower than an A- as well for me. 
I think he's done everything you want him to do and more. I think obviously we're learning that he might not necessarily be somebody that we, uh, well, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm trying to decide if I want to go A minus or if I want to go, I'm going to go B plus. And the reason I'm coming back down on that is because part of the reason that I think a lot of people are excited about Ken Johnson was the potential of him being a center. I don't think that that has become a real thing. And also with his faceoff percentage being a measly 26.98%. Like those are moments where you're like, if this is what you want him to turn into, that has to get better. So I'm going to give him a B plus recognizing that there's probably a lot of room for growth there for me to end up getting him up into the A category. But Laura, how about you? How about you for your grade for Ken? Um, I'm going solid B plus. Um, again, just for like all the things you said, I think, I think Kent, and this is just from like reading people. I think there's a, a little, a little bit of growing up that Kent needs to do. Um, and I think this is true with most players too. Like as they get older, like their, their game gets better. Cause clearly they, you know, get better proficiency with things but like just also like viewing themselves in the game and like the aspects of being an nhl player and like the youth aspect of things can sometimes be a little bit like you know just throw them off course a little bit and so i definitely think that kent needs to do just just a tiny bit of growing up um and i think also just continuing to learn from the veterans on this team like and I feel like he's really going to grasp because he's a quick leaner, a quick learner. So I think he's really going to grasp like, you know, better ways to, to hold himself and to be a team player. Um, and just his overall skill level of, he just keeps following like, and learning from this, this veteran presence, like, you know, even with Patrick Line, who's only a few years older than he is, like, um, I think he'll learn a lot, but you know, it was a, a rough start. And again, not necessarily his, his fault, but, um, and just like, I think coaching too, just as we've said, hasn't really found the best ways we're getting better at it right now, but hasn't really found the best, best ways to utilize our young players. And like, Kent really fell victim to that, especially when they're trying to force him into being a center, which, I just, I don't know that that's going to happen. And I don't know that that's the most like comfortable position for him to play. Um, so, yeah, so it's been some rough things and, you know, just some tough circumstances as we keep saying, but I'm going to give him a solid B plus. I think that's fair. And I'm realizing that I just keep giving them my grades before you do. So on this next one, hold me accountable. You're going first. I keep just saying Sweet. it. Uh, so and I think you'll appreciate going first on this one because I know that he's one of your favorites, and that is the hometown kid, uh, Sean Corrali. Now, Sean, Laura, I'll you give me your thoughts on Sean Corrali. Don't let me take this away. I'll, I'll back you up with the stats here when you need them. But talk to me about Sean Corrali and his game this year and just what you've thought about it to this point. Well, can you give me his stats really quickly? Oh, yeah, yeah, because it's all about the stats to you, isn't it, Norman? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in 49 games, so he's only missed two. Uh, Sean Crowley has nine goals, four assists, and 13 points. Okay. Well, yes, you are correct. I am a huge Sean Crowley fan. I, um, again, I'm a sucker for uh, the hometown situation. I'm a sucker for 
you know, his personality and the way that he approaches playing for Columbus um, and the way that he vocally, you know, whether or not it's recognized officially or not, the way that he holds himself as a leader on and off the ice. And I think he's someone who, you know, he had his time in Boston, but coming back home has really been his opportunity to shine and to have those moments. Like no one celebrates bigger than Sean Corrales after they get a goal, like, especially at home, like when Sean scores at home, it is like a, you know, just your heart grows three sizes because you can just tell like how much it means to him to score like for Columbus in Columbus and how special it feels to him to be like one of those leaders in the room. Um, And yeah, so he's not, he hasn't really been, even when he was in Boston, like he hasn't been like a super high scoring um, forward. So like, I'm not mad at the number of goals that he has. Like, and I think whatever combination of line he's been on, he's always been a great anchor piece. You know, his, um, Face-off percentage is, like, kind of mid. Like, it's definitely not the worst. It's definitely not the best. And he definitely has better nights than others. But he is one of our more solid options at this point when it comes to the center position. Um, And, yeah, I just think he's had um, a pretty decent year, all considering. Um, Definitely could could get a few more goals um, and maybe a few more hits because he is one of our more physical forwards. But for me, I'm going to give him, of my expectation of Sean Corrale, I'm going to give him a B. I have to be honest with you. I I don't – where has Sean Crowley been? Like, I don't <laughs> know where he's been the last handful of games, right? Like, I – I think it, we watch these games differently, sir. <laughs> it's not that I don't see him on the ice or, like, I don't see, like – you know, him having a presence, but to me, like he has a little bit of the opposite problem that we've talked about with some of these other players where like, I think this, like, I think he started the season pretty well. Like, I think that like he can, like he continued to build on the narrative that he had last year, which was like being this like gritty, like production machine that could actually like not only play in these big moments for the jackets, and deliver the physicality and that kind of a mentality. But he also was scoring, and he also was was helping those around him. And I think you and I both know, we probably even talked about it last year, that he probably wasn't going to be that way every year. Like, that was not something you were going to look for out of Sean Crowley every year. Sean Crowley has been undisciplined this season in a lot of different ways, which has at times affected the Blue Jackets. And that's really something he can't do when he is somebody who is so important to the blue jackets on the penalty kill. Like whenever you're sending your best penalty killer to the box once a night, like that's not ideal. Um, And obviously it's not once a night. I'm being a little dramatic there, but it's a little bit more than I'd like for it to be. And if you look at the last, I mean, you know, he's gotten two goals in the last since December 11th. He's just been cold production-wise. He started the season pretty well. I mean, obviously, like, he had a two-goal game against Montreal. Like, he's been been pretty decent on the ice, like, from a production standpoint at the beginning of the season. But here at the at this part of the season, he's just been cold. 
And to your point about faceoffs, he's at 48.21%, which is like probably like not bad, bad, but it's, I mean, obviously you want to be above that 50% line and he's not there. Um, I'm going to give him a C. Like, I don't, I have not been, there's nothing about him that's been overly like impressive to me so far this season. Now when he's mad, A plus. A plus mad, disciplined, but mad, Sean Corrales, A plus. But uh, the Sean Corrales that we're getting right now, I'm going to give him a C, and hopefully I'm proven wrong. So this player could be interesting to talk about. Ooh. Patrick Liner. Oh. Yeah. Patrick Liner. What is it that yeah. Matt Cal- what is it that John Tortorella said about Matt Calvert? He's up and down like a toilet seat. Correct. If I told you that Patrick Line was damn near a point per game player this year, I don't know that you'd believe me. But I'm not lying to you. He's got 31 points in 36 games. He's got 14 goals and 17 assists. So he's tied for the lead or for the lead on the team in goals. And and he's not not doing a bad job distributing the puck either. I mean, it's not been on paper a terrible year for Patrick Line. I mean, obviously the injuries suck, but but then again, when we talk about Patrick Line as Blue Jackets fans, this season has been a disappointment. <laughs> So how do you surmise like where we've been at with Patrick Lyonet so far this year? Well, I think it's hard to, because we're coming off, you know, two seasons or this season and last season where he's been out significant amounts of time. Um, You know, this season in particular, like he got injured the first game, you know, and was out all the way until we went to Finland and then, you know, came back and was out again and all this sort of stuff. Like, and so that I know is frustrating to people. And I think, you know, like you said earlier, our power play has been absolute garbage, but the thing is, it's like, and I think I've mentioned this before about Patrick line. And one of the, one of the things that they said in bringing him over to the blue jackets is he's going to be this like maestro on the power play, like just this serious, like, we're going to have so many power play goals and all this sort of stuff. And I understand we're not exactly working with the best pieces right now, but the fact that what he has two power play goals, this entire season, like that's not really living up to expectation. Now, granted when he is on it, he's on it. Like we've had some games this season where Patrick line has been everything that we've hoped for and more He's had his swagger, you know, he's just, you know, not letting anything keep him down. Like, and he's just been really solid overall player. But then there's also been some games, I think, similarly to how you feel about Sean Corrales. There's been some games where I've been like, where the hell is Patrick Line? Like, what is he doing? And why is he not doing Patrick Line shit? Like, this is what we pay him all this money for. Um so I'm not going to lie, like, it has been, even though the numbers don't necessarily show it, like, it has been kind of a disappointing season for him. And, but I don't think it's out of the realm of expectation that that's going to, you know, it's going to be better. Because as long as he stays healthy, like, I think he's definitely, you know, trying, Um 
I will say that like on social media, there have been some people that have said during games, like that he looks like he's checked out and that he, um, you know, isn't, isn't as passionate during some games as people expect him to be. So who knows with that, but, and I think if you asked him too, I don't think that he would say that he is a hundred percent thrilled with his season. I know he feels better than he did, you know, in his first season and he's improved, like his second season was better, you know, after he, the injuries and the personal time that he had to take away. And, you know, he is slowly getting better as he gets more acquainted with, with our system and with the team and all that sort of stuff. But I don't know that it's necessarily where I anticipated it to be. And I think I'm going to give him. Oh, a C plus. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a B minus. I, I mean, the production is there to some extent. I think the disappointing piece is like things have not necessarily worked between Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Liner the way that everybody wanted to. Like, so I think that that adds in a layer of complexity to this. But I think. You know, to your point about him having two goals on the power play, he's got eight points total, so he's got six assists, which feels like eight goals is the total number of goals that the Blue Jackets have scored on the power play this year. So, like, again, I can't really, like, everybody's power play production is bad this year compared to where it needs to be. But, yeah, I mean, I just – I think that he is somebody who, like, to your point, could be a little bit more passionate. Although that being said, I don't really know that I've ever seen a passionate Patrick Lyon to begin with really. Like he's just like, not really like it's not his vibe, which I think sometimes gives off the, I don't give a fuck vibe, but I don't know that that's what it is. I think it's more so the, the finished vibe. I, yeah, I'm going to go B minus. I don't have much more to say other than what you said. I think what you said pretty much summarized it. And I think a player that we're both really excited to talk about on this one is, is Kirill Marchenko. I think that he is somebody that you and I have both really taken a liking to in a really big way. He's somebody who, you know, started tearing the league up in, in Cleveland. The AHL was, in fact, Kirill Marchenko's bitch. And, um, you know, he didn't have any problem letting them know that. And I strongly believe that if he would have stayed in the AHL all season, he would have easily won the the goals race in the AHL. But nevertheless, he's scoring goals up in Columbus. And that's all, that's all he's doing. He's not dishing out any assists. He's got 13 goals, zero assists, and 13 points in 28 games played. And so, you know, in, in his first 20, you know, 28 games, you know, he's on pace to, to be up in the conversation with a lot of really great Russians for, for their start to their NHL career in terms of how many goals have been scored. And, you know, this is a, a 22 year old kid, guy who's about to be 23 this year, who has just come in and, and has just demonstrated that he knows how to score and it doesn't really matter how, but he knows how to score. And he's going to score. And so moving forward, I mean, I think you're hoping that he continues to to find that edge. I mean, his ice time has obviously gone up significantly. That's something that we all harped on for a while. He was getting close to 10 minutes a game, most games. And then now you're looking and he played 19 minutes against Seattle. He played 16 against Washington, 16 against Vancouver, 16 against Edmonton. You know, 17 against Anaheim. Like, so he's getting time on ice, which is good for him. And I think it's good for this team because Kro Marchenko is a scorer. And he's doing stuff that I did not expect for him to be able to do in his first year, Laura. It's a solid A for me. 
Yeah, I mean, I think we mentioned it early in the season and maybe even during training camp, but like just how much we've all, you know, people who pay attention to the pipeline and people who pay attention to prospects and all that sort of stuff. Like we, it just felt like we've been waiting forever for Krill to come over. Um, you know, he was stuck in his KHL contract for a number of years and um, which I do think gave him a lot of great experience and has helped his transition into the NHL. Um, but it just, it has felt like we've just been waiting and waiting and waiting. And now he's finally here. And, you know, obviously he didn't start um, with the big league uh, right away in the season. Like you said, he went to the, to the monsters and I think really, really started proving like why like waiting was worth it. Like, you know, I think if it wasn't, if it wasn't for all the struggles that we've been having this season, I think they would have left him in Cleveland to just have this outstanding like AHL season and, you know, really build that confidence up in order to start directly on the team in the 23, 24 season. But, you know, needless to say all the injuries and such, like he's now been given this opportunity and, you know, unlike the situation with some other players, like his talent and skill has been able to, to transition from the AHL level to the NHL. And, you know, nothing beats this kid's personality. Like he just is absolutely just a little glimmer of light and shining hope, like on this roster, because he's just so happy to be here. And, you know, I think it's really funny that every time they ask him about the fact that he's never gotten any assists, he's like, I just shoot the puck. Like, I don't really know, like, why, <laughs> you know, why people think it's such a big deal that I don't have any assists. But he's like, I'm just doing what they told me to do, which is shoot the puck. And he's damn good at it. So um, I think he, we, we've said it before. I think he's three away from the record, which is 16 goals with no assists. Um, we're not quite sure that he'll get there, but who knows? Not, you know, stranger things have happened and this would be the strangest season for that to happen. But yeah, I, I just think that he is really blossoming and I can't wait to see with a stronger foundation team, how much he thrives. And I think that's going to be really exciting. So for so far for rookie season, solid A for Kirill Marchenko. That feels appropriate. I got to see how many shots does he have so far. My biggest fear is now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, what's his shooting percentage so far this year? Twenty-five. Ruin, it's 25%. Don't ruin our like joy. Ungodly high. So here's hoping that, like, he can keep scoring at that pace. But that or he just could shoot more. If he shoots more and that good number goes down, but he still keeps scoring at that rate, that's fine by me. But, yeah, he has 13 goals on 52 shots. That's, like – Kind of insane. Um, and, and Laura, do you know what else is kind of insane? Uh, winning money on DraftKings? Yeah, the amount of money you can win on DraftKings specifically because uh, are you all ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? Because DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bet bonus bets instantly plus all customers can get in on super bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings happy hour super boosts check the DraftKings sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m to 9 p.m um eastern standard time to see what prop bet will be boosted personally personally 
I would love nothing more than to see the Chiefs get beat. So I am putting all my money on the Eagles in any way, shape, or form that I can. I'm betting on Jalen Hurts. I'm just really taking the Eagles in this one. Shout out to my boy Trent. Uh, so <laughs> download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 to get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions supply. See show notes for details. And folks, this time of year, everyone is talking about making big changes. Whether you're like me and you just moved into a new apartment and you're trying to make home feel more like home. You're really taking care of your mental health. You're doing whatever you can to be well. Uh, you know, it's all good. It's all good to do. But if you're somebody who, like I used to be, where you make really huge and lofty goals in your new year and and you just watch yourself fail over and over again, um, you know, chances are some of those goals are pretty unrealistic. And, and so I found that using smaller changes in my daily routine can, can really make the biggest impact. And in the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be a part of a big change if it's something you use every day, like my Raycons. Raycon is a premium audio uh, headphone that is at the perfect price point. You can build great habits without breaking the bank. So whether or not you're listening to your favorite podcast, which I know to be subjectively speaking, on your walk in the morning, or maybe you're listening to that Noah Khan album when you're in your feelings and your little depression den, like I am sometimes, Raycons are, Raycons are the ones for you. Raycons are the ones for you, absolutely. So whether you're looking for a new pair of everyday earbuds, low latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that will last all night at your next party, Raycons got you covered. And yep, Raycons start at half of the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each or a spare and share and, you know, still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. So, you know, if you have multiple, you could, you could pick up two everyday earbuds for the price of one of the other brand. They're just as good, if not better. You can keep one at your work desk and you can keep one at your house. So that way you always have them wherever you are. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycons want to make sure that you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options. And every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. You know, I, I use my Raycons all the time when I go for walks and whenever I'm working and I really want to make sure that I'm getting stuff done and not being distracted. I always use um, the noise isolation mode. Uh, you know, I make sure that I, you know, <laughs> thankfully, my ear canals are weird. And for some reason, Raycons fit perfectly in my ears. I don't know what that's about, but uh, I know they'll fit perfectly in yours too. And plus, you're going to have eight hours of playtime on your everyday earbuds and 11 hours of playtime on your everyday speaker. So these things don't die. These things will not die on you, and uh, I know how annoying it is whenever uh, other ones do. So if you're ready to buy something small with a big impact, go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. So, Laura, the Blue Jackets have a fighter on their hands. They do. A multi-fighter, actually. Yeah, his name is Matthew. Matthew Olivier is who we're going to talk about next. Uh, he is somebody who is definitely um, everything the Blue Jackets advertised. He is somebody who has fit the mold perfectly, and I can't think of, of a better way to um, really – what am I What am I trying to get out here? I just really, truly cannot think of a better player and a better role for this team right now there's not somebody who does what they're supposed to do as well as he does. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Yes. 
And so when we look at Matthew Olivier season, I mean, don't don't get too excited about any stats because, uh, you know, they're not exactly eye-popping. In 46 games, he's got three goals and five assists for eight points. Now, uh, you know, in four, 94 NHL games, he only has 15 points. So he's had a decent season by his standards, but it's really the fights. The fights are really what matter <laughs> in this. And, you know, I don't have much to say about Matthew Olivier outside of just the fact that he, he does everything he's supposed to do and he, he does it well. He fits the role he was brought in to fill, and he is an energy guy on this team. It's it's a B plus for me. Yeah, I was gonna go solid B um, because I do think it took a little time for him to be able to prove what what he could bring to the team. Uh, you know, we joke about him teaching other guys how to fight during training camp and all that sort of stuff. But as of late, like he has really been that guy that if we're struggling, you can count on him to just fuck some people up, just, just to bring some energy and some excitement into the situation. I do think he needs to learn to pace himself um, because we have learned that three fights in a row um, is a little bit too much for him, especially when the third one is against a veteran player who has devoted most of their career to beating the snot out of people. Um, And so he does need to like pace it out a little bit, but he's what we've been waiting for, for a couple of years now, just a guy that really has, you know, that fight and that energy and he's ready to drop the gloves and he's ready to defend his team. And that energy is just so needed in some of these tougher games. So yeah, solid B for Matthew Olivier um, I hope we get to see some more of it through the rest of the season. All right. And the boy that you say can't stop, Eric Robinson, number 50 for the Columbus Blue Jackets. <sighs> I He's another player that I put up there with my, like, not so impressed with this season. Uh, you know, I know that we have a lot of Eric Robinson fans that listen to the show, and I don't dislike Eric Robinson. I think he has some potential to be an okay NHLer. In 44 games, he's got four goals and eight assists for 12 points. I mean, to me, he's taking a step back. I mean, I've been frustrated with him for multiple seasons now, but, like, this is by far the most frustrated because the more and more each game I hear, and Eric Robinson – misses or air Robinson overskates or doesn't follow through. Like there's so many opportunities that he has just whiffed on. And like, I know that it's kind of a joke that I say that he can't stop, but he overskates the puck and overskates the goal so often. It's ridiculous. Like, I just don't understand how we're still having this problem. Um, And it's, like you said, I do think he has potential. I think it's there. I just think the discipline and the, like, restrain, he doesn't have it yet. Like, he doesn't have, like, it's either he gets too excited or he gets, you know, where he's just not focused on how quickly, like, he's getting down the ice. Because it is super fast. Like, you also hear in all the times that you hear those other phrases – here comes Eric Robinson with the speed. Like, you know, he's super fast down the ice, all this sort of stuff. But if you don't have control over the speed at the same time, it becomes like 
a negative attribute on the ice because you're missing all these opportunities because you're going too fast. So I don't know. I'm just really, I don't want to say I'm, I'm over the Eric Robinson situation, but like, you know, as we thought last summer before we acquired Johnny Goudreau, like it, Eric Robinson, like, wasn't necessarily like a for sure situation on this team. Um, and I'm not saying that Johnny and their friendship is the whole reason why he's still on the team, but I just don't know how much longer, like I'm willing to put up with these situations as this team is trying to, to improve. So I'm giving him a C because I'm just not impressed. I know he's trying, but I'm just not impressed. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, he just, you know, it just doesn't, it hasn't, it just hasn't worked. It just hasn't. And so for me, um, I'm going to give him a D plus. I'm going to give him a D plus. My ADHD definitely affected me as I was looking at some advanced stats about Eric Robinson. What grade did you give him? A C. Perfect. Damn, I was a little harsh. Okay, uh, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, I was looking at Money Puck trying to see. They don't do a great job of showing shot attempts. So he's got 10.73 shot attempts per 60 minutes, and he's got six shots on goal. So he a difference of about 4.7 shots that he misses but i will say that is not all that bad on this team this year we've got a lot of players that shoot the puck but miss a lot uh this is kind of overwhelming to look at patrick line 21.15 shots for 60 minutes 10 of those are on goal 11 really it's 10.83 11 johnny goudreau 15.11 attempts 8.07 per on net so, I mean, it's not just him. Uh, probably the player who has the least differential so far this season. It looks like it is. That's lower than minimum ice time. Let's shall we see if we can get a little bit of a better picture of this to see. Um, who's hitting the net? Well, none of them. <laughs> not, a, not a damn one. Uh, <laughs> it's not not great, if I'm but honest. But we already knew that. And I'm not saying that every, everybody's shots are going to hit the net. I, I would almost have to look at like what the league average is, because I'm going to be honest with you, I have no idea what it is. So we'll move on past that, and we'll head on to Jack Rosovic, a player that has, uh, in recent days, been named as somebody who the Blue Jackets are shopping as a trade bait, and we already kind of knew that. But nevertheless, uh, we'll be interested to see how that turns out. What do you – I mean, Jack Rosovic, is he somebody who – is sometimes given the short end of the stick in some ways, do you think? Or do you think that the, all the criticism of Jack Rosswick is fair? I think I'm going to get a lot of shit for this. I think all the criticism for Jack Rosswick is fair. I, I'm I'm tired. I'm tired of Jack Rosswick. <laughs> like he's like hurt you. <laughs> like he has in some ways. I just it there's just too many things. And I know we have this with other players, 
But there's just too many things that have to be just right or, you know, in a certain sequence for him to be good. And, like, we're struggling enough as it is to have to set up these opportunities for one player is exhausting. And he's not even, like, our star. Like, I can give a little leeway to have to set up things for Johnny or to have to set up things for Patrick Laine. Like, okay. But he, and I know that people keep saying, like, he and Patrick Laine are finding chemistry whenever they're on the second line together. But honestly, and this is going to sound rude, I think Patrick feels bad for him. So he tries to make him look better than he is. Especially the night when Patrick could have very well had a hat trick, but he kept giving the puck to Jack in order to see if Jack could get it in the net. And I just, like, I understand. He's your friend. You guys played in Winnipeg together. And I understand, again, you know, I should feel more warmth towards him because you guys know I'm a sucker for a hometown guy. But... I just think it's too much time and too much money for someone to be that mediocre. So here's my follow-up question. <laughs> yes. If Jack Rosovic's not on this team, mm-hmm. who replaces him production-wise? Currently? Like, sure. with our current roster? Because as as we record, Igor Shindikov, Jack Rosovic has the third most points on this team. All right, and I'm not saying that anything you just said is wrong. I mean, like you're no, you're not wrong. And I know you're playing devil's advocate, but it's just, I like that's the conversation with Rosovic that I always have internally. Is like. I get what people are saying about like how like there are just like games where it just feels like he is more of a liability than a help on the ice or whatever have you. But I mean, what, what do you do? Like if he's not on this team, this team that like literally already doesn't score like this team that like is terrible offensively this year. And you take away a guy who is third on the team. Now, granted, he's only got four goals this season. So it's not like he's scoring a lot, but he's, he's been a playmaker in some senses. He's got the second most primary assists on the team behind only Johnny Goudreau. And so it's, it's just one of those things where I don't know what you do if you don't have him on this team. Uh, It's just, uh, I know, and I know my opinion is not popular, but like... I don't think that's true. I think your opinion is popular. I think most people share that opinion, that Jack Roslevic is a little bit of like a liability and is somebody who people would be very happy with trading. I I don't think that that's unpopular at all. Okay. (laughs) I just, I struggle with it internally because it's just like, oh man, and and better than any player on this team, Jack Roslevic forces penalties and doesn't take them. He's got a higher penalty minute differential than anybody on the team. It's just like he, and then he's a good penalty killer. Like, I mean, like he's really good on the penalty kill. So I don't know. I, Jack Rosovic is an anomaly to me. I guess I want to know more about what people want from Jack Rosovic. Like, what do they want him to be? Do we know that answer? Like, do people know no. that answer? When, we, when people criticize Jack Rosovic, like, what are you hoping he is? 
That's my what, question. What am I hoping that he is? Not necessarily. I mean, if you want to go out, like, if you want to talk about it, feel free. But, like, I think, like, I'm more so just, like, in the hypothetical. And, like, as people are listening to this, I'm wondering, like, just, like, if you are critical of Jack Rossovic, like, what is it that you want him to be that he's not currently being? Like, that would be interesting for me to know, I think. Gotcha. So let us know. I'm sure somebody will. Just be nice to us. We have feelings. Anyway. Um... Do you want oh, me to God. give him you, a grade? Yeah, have either one of us given him grades? No. No. Wow, we made it through almost all the four words without me fucking that up once. So that was a win. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give him a C. Like I like he's not exceeding my expectations in any way, shape, or form. I don't even know that he's fully meeting them. But like I'm not gonna give him less than a C. I'm giving him a C minus <laughs> for my rage. Sure. No, that's fair. That's fair. I do need everybody to know that initially Laura felt the same way about Jack Ross because she did about Liam Foodie. Anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on to Cole Cylinder. <laughs> moving on to Cole Cylinder. Sophomore slump cylinder, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm oh, going to tell you that I don't think Cole Cylinder is having as bad of a season as people think he is. Yeah. I, I know that people want to want to talk about stats and stuff, but if you look at underlying numbers, he's not been terrible this year like he's been one of the blue Dragons' better forwards a lot of games he's just not producing and he's just not doing the things that he was doing last season as a rookie and i think that that has taken a lot of people off guard yeah and i think again we go back to expectation versus reality which is like cole had a really good rookie year and cole um holds himself like a much older much more vetted player than he actually is and again i am not privy to any sort of like team plans or locker room situation but like um i do kind of think that cole isn't getting treated as much like a sophomore player as he should be like i don't think i think he's getting sort of passed over in the fact of like, oh, that's cool. Like he's played all these games already. He's good. But no, it's only his second year in the NHL. He's only 19 years old. Like he still needs to have someone focused on his player development. And like, I do think that especially in a struggling season, that has just been sort of like passed over. Because, and we've talked about it before, in a perfect world, Cole would have been sent down to Cleveland, like, and been able to be given the opportunity to continue to develop and, like, build his skills in Cleveland and then come back up. Because we already know his skills are transferable to the NHL. Like, his rookie season proves that. But, you know, it's, like you said, it's not as bad as people think it is, but I am getting concerned a little bit that, they're gonna continue this trend of like not realizing that he still needs to be not babied. That's not the right word, but like handheld a little bit, like as such a young what might even player say in the NHL. What one might even say developed. Yes. Yes. Because like, again, he and Kent are the same age, but they entered, you know, they entered the NHL at different times. Like, And Kent is definitely getting that, like, attention for his development. And I just don't want the fact that Cole has played, oh, God, a 100 games already. That's crazy. In the NHL, like, just 
he still is very, very green. And I just want the, I don't want them to forget about that. So, and yeah, I mean, it hasn't been the greatest season. He is starting now to get a little bit more of his like cool spark back, but I'm going to give, I'm going to give him a C plus. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a fair grade for Cole. I think that's, I think I'm going to go C uh, plus. Yeah, I'm going to go C now. I'm going to go C. I'm going to keep it a C. I, the thing about him that I'd like to see a little bit more of is I'd just like to see him start to capitalize on some of this stuff. I mean, he's not necessarily, you know, you look at his underlying stats, you know, he's expected to have six goals at this point. He's only got two. That's because he sh- his shooting percentage is – bottom of the team you know it's not exactly last it's he he has a 3.3 shooting percentage so where you got Kirill Marchenko shooting at 25 percent Cole Sillinger shooting at 3.3 percent players that have lower shooting percentages than him um Erica Branson has a 1.4 percent shooting percentage um and then Adam Boquist has a zero percent because Adam Boquist hasn't scored Liam Foody has a zero percent because he hasn't scored Tim Burney also has a 3.3 percent shooting percentage so like if that shines a light on like this is not going to be a constant for Cole. Like this is not shooting at 3.3% is like not typical for an NHL player. Cole Sillinger is an NHL player. He'll break out of that. It's not anything to be overly concerned about. It's the same way that Crow Marching is not going to stay at 25%. These things oftentimes meet in the middle. I think that's what's going to happen there. But Laura, that concludes our forwards. Notice that we didn't talk about Gus Nyquist. Uh, that's sad. Um, Gus Nyquist is out for the year. So giving him a midterm grade would be hard, but also uh, he might not be back at all. So um, maybe like an incomplete, like he like maybe it's a W on his transcript. He withdrew before the class was over. Oh, yeah, it's tough. What are you gonna do? Poor Gus. Poor Gus. But we love you, Gus. It's an A in our heart. Even though I'd probably like give you more of a B minus if we were actually having a conversation. But like, who's counting? <laughs> you know. What I mean? Um, quick on the fly, no commentary about Gus. What would you give him grade wise? Just go. B. Okay, great. Anyway, moving on. Um. I was hoping that maybe you would say D because it would be a really good transition for me into the fact that we're talking about our defenseman next. But I also, uh, considering the fact that I had to literally pull your teeth to get you to give Liam Foodie a D. Um, also, Gus Nyquist does not deserve a D. No, he does not. He does not at all. <laughs> I'm just being an asshole. But we move on to the the Seattle Kraken legend himself, and that's Gavin Bayreuther um, is where we're going to start this conversation today. I mean, Gavin Bayreuther has been uh, a little bit of an anomaly this year, I feel, in some ways. You know, I he's obviously playing a bigger role in Columbus than I think a lot of people expected him to play just because of the fact that, you know, things have just been so bad from an injury perspective in Columbus. But, you know, he's he's having a, a pretty decent season. Uh, you know, he's shown a little bit more of his offensive prowess than, you know, we're used to. I mean, and by that, I mean two goals and four assists. Like, we're not talking about anything, like, mind-boggling here. But still, for Gavin Bayreuther – I'll take that. He's been pretty solid for most of the season, and it felt like when he started scoring, he got sent back down to Cleveland because, uh, well, the tank is on. But <laughs> what are your thoughts on the boy that lived? Well, no, that was what we used to call what's his ass. Scott Harrington. Um, I Although remember. I think Gavin Bayreuther is kind of filling those shoes. In some ways, uh, right? I mean, like, because he lived through the expansion draft, even though he got selected, like, he, like – and he just like has that vibe. 
he just has that vibe of like he's just gonna he's gonna write out his full contract here. Like we're not gonna get rid of Gavin Bayreuther. Um like he's gonna go on his own accord. <laughs> um but I don't know. The def- our defense has just been such a shit show this whole season. So like you almost gotta give extra points to all of them just for showing up. Like, see, I was gonna say the opposite. I feel like all of them like are gonna like automatically get a demerit of like one letter grade <laughs> because of how well, bad. Because I mean, are. you gotta kind of think about it in the way that like half of them aren't even like fully NHL level defensemen. Like most of them. Like most of the guys that have cycled through in our defensive side of things this season are AHL or borderline like defensemen. Mm -hmm. And so just for the fact that like they're coming in and putting the skates on every day and being like, I am not prepared for this, but here we go. Um, But yeah, I mean... Gavin Barrier, like he is kind of kind of like the Scott Harrington. I mean, Scott Harrington got benched a lot more, but um, he's just, you know, he's the guy we put in. We put in when someone else is hurt. We put in when someone else needs to be in trouble. Um, you know, and sometimes occasionally we put in put him in because like, oh, we feel like this might be a good day for him. Um Down yeah. to the I'm I'm just kind of indifferent on Gavin Bayreuther. Like it's fun to call him the Seattle Kraken legend. Um, I enjoy that, but like I'm just kind of indifferent. And the goals that he does have, the two goals that he does have, um, were like kind of crucial goals and like important. So that's something to say. But other than that, I'm just kind of indifferent. So. C plus. Yeah, he's been fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I'm gonna be honest with you. I think the defense is gonna take us eight minutes. I don't have much to say about many of these defenders. I like, like you said, I think Gavin Bayreuther has a good energy. I enjoy when he's in the lineup. He's fun to watch. I think. I think the fact that he's been able to have a couple of big goals, he even had one called back. I. It's fascinating. He's one of those weird Blue Jackets that scores every now and again. And you're just like, oh, hey there. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can. You are allowed to do that. I'm gonna give him a C. Like uh, he's not doing anything to exceed my expectations. He's not doing anything to to hurt my expectations of him. So I'm gonna go C. You went C plus. And let me move on to a guy that I think you and I are both pretty high on as well. And that's uh, no none other than Nick Blankenberg, who has had a tough season in the sense of injuries. But in terms of his performance, I mean, I think he's somebody who's given a lot of lifeblood to the Blue Jackets throughout the season. You know, in, in only 15 games played, he's got three goals, four assists, with seven points. And uh, you've got to be happy about that. You know, he's a player that if you're getting – I mean, you look at that, that's roughly around like 35 to 40 points a year for a defenseman he's on pace for. You obviously aren't going to have that out of every defenseman, but to have that out of one, especially a player like him, that's a big win for the Jackets, and I'll take that every time. I I really like Nick Blankenberg. I really like Nick Blankenberg. He is everything that you want him to be. He is the quintessential Blue Jacket to me. He embodies the energy of what I think this team will be moving forward, I which is like this like, cool combination of like youth and really great skill, but also that grit that the team had before. It's like, he is kind of like that glue and that medium to push the blue jackets of the past into the future. To me, I think he plays both of those styles really well. 
And so for I, I'm just gonna say like here I'm gonna go A minus. Like I really like what I've seen out of him this season. I know it's gonna continue to get better. I know he's going to continue to be an energy guy. Once he gets back in the lineup, I know he was day-to-day with an upper body when we got to the break, but I'm sure he'll get in sooner rather than later, and I'm excited to see that happen. Yeah, I don't have much more to say. I'm going to give him an A. Like, he – nothing describes Nick Blankenberg more than watching that um, Oilers game where he just was, like, the biggest pass to Connor McDavid, and he did not give a shit – like, he just was like, Connor McDavid who? Like, I'm just going to bug the crap out of this guy. Like, and that's what I love about him is he's not afraid to to go up against any player, regardless of how famous or, you know, noteworthy they are. So, yeah, A for Nick Blankenberg. So then we move on to a player that is fascinating. <laughs> how many times have I said that in this episode? Quite a few. And that's Adam Boquist. Now, our little uh, China doll who is hurt currently, like, is he gonna be fine? But, like, you tell me, I haven't checked much of Um, he is also day to day, like Nick Lincoln, so he should be fine, I think, by the time we come back. But, like, leave it to him, he's got five points in the last five games that he's played, he's getting hot, like. He had a, an assist against Anaheim, an assist against Calgary, two against Edmonton, and one against Vancouver. And he's got 10 points in 19 games that he's played. So, again, like he's producing, like he is being what we need him to be offensively, which is a real positive. He just isn't staying healthy. Yeah. Like that that's is the kind biggest of, thing. That's kind of his his deal, though. Like he gets, he gets hot and has like a string of good games where he's really effective and works really well and then all of a sudden he just gets saddled with some random injury like and you know again it could be the curse of the number because we also know that the last person who changed that shit fast yes um but it's also just on on par with this season of our defensemen are just like God love him, not sustainable for multiple games in a row like it seems like it seems like we can't go three or four days in a row without someone on the defensive side of things getting injured in some way. And, um, but yeah, so it's just his weird luck. Um, but yeah, he gets on like, cause before his other injury, he was having a pretty good streak and then got the like long-term, I think, did he break his foot or fracture his ankle? Yeah. I think it was his foot. One of those things. Um, and something, yeah, something it, important to skating. Yes, I hear that. You can't really do it on one leg. Although, I think, was it Sean Corrali last year whose skate blade fell off and he was like really trying to get across the ice with only one? Yeah, more on like it sounds like a Sean Corrali thing. And Corpy had to like push him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember across the now. ice. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so he, poor Adam Boquist, like. I'm not quite sure that he's he's living up to what we anticipated in acquiring him through the Seth Jones trade. Um, but if he could stay healthy, I think we would be able to see more of that. But it's just him staying healthy. So I'm giving him a C plus. Yeah, C plus feels fine to me. I think that's where I'll land too with Adam Boquist. Well... Yeah. 
I was trying to say if I wanted to give him a B minus. I think I'm gonna stick with a C plus, but I turned it back into him and I told him that he could come back with revisions and I would potentially regrade it. So all right. That's how we'll do that's that. Very, very kind of you. Hey, I have taught a few college classes before. That is a weird fact about me now that I think about that. And uh I've been known to give give some good grades every now and again to somebody who redoes their work. But Somebody who is not going to have that much of an opportunity, I don't think, to redo any of his work with the Blue Jackets is going to be Vladislav Gavrikov. And, you know, three goals, seven assists this season. He's got in ten, so 10 points in 50 games played. I Is Vladislav Gavrikov somebody who... Like, is he the David Savard equivalent of today, or is he somebody who, like, somewhat matches that script and so we assign all that value to him where maybe he doesn't have it? That's a really good question. Um, And let me also preface by saying I think some of that comes from my place of, like, seeing, like, he had a lot of really great production last year. That's fallen off this year, and we all knew that that could potentially happen. But also, like, I think maybe – I. I could be doing this intentionally, like subconsciously. Is that like, well, I guess if I'm doing it subconsciously, it's not intentional. You can tell that we're on a, an hour and a half of recording this episode because my vibrance is wearing off and I'm losing focus. <laughs> so I'm trying to We're stay, almost done. We're stay, almost you know. done. Um, the thing with him is that like, he just, I think I'm just separating myself from him. Because you know that he may to not. myself. Yeah. Yes. So, so I think I'm like not overly impressed with him this year, but I think it's because I don't want to be for my own sanity. I think, oh God, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I, this definitely isn't his best season as a Blue Jacket, but again, no one's having their best season as a Blue Jacket, except maybe the only person you really does is Johnny Gaudreau. <laughs> like, um, and or Boone Jenner, like Boone Jenner is having a pretty good season as well. But I think a lot of when it comes down to Gavi, like he again, not a super high producing defenseman, but has come in clutch in some really like dire situations. Yeah, but two can also, overtime goals, like yeah, and but also his personality, like his personality is just one that like makes this team feel like comforted in a way when we're going through these like shitty times. And so, yeah, I think a little bit of this is also protecting the fact that like, we're potentially losing like, you know, one of our better defensemen because in the scheme of things, that is true. Um, But also just like a personality on the team. But I think overall for his play, I mean, occasionally he is, like, a liability, but who is, like, what defensemen aren't sometimes, like, I'm going to give him a a B minus, because I don't, I don't think he hasn't exceeded, he, like, I don't think he hasn't met my expectations, and I think he's done, like, the two overtime winners, like, that's got to push him into the, into the B category, because, like, if you're looking at the C, it's, like, just meeting expectations, or it's, it like I I gotta give him a B minus. I may have just over explained that for no reason. No, that's totally fine. I think with everything that you said and, and kind of what I mentioned earlier, I mean, I will say I'm gonna give him a B. I think he's been what this team needs him to be, and I think he's done that and he's filled his role well. 
I think I think a team is probably going to overpay for him at the deadline, and I'm okay with that. I am really okay with that. Speaking of overpayments, Erica Branson. <laughs> Some of these transitions have been too fucking good. Anyway, um, Erica Branson is a player that uh, does play here. He is a Columbus Blue Jacket. One would call him the four million dollar man. Yeah, um, almost in almost in a way to further illustrate just how much that might not be working out. Again, I think I said this. I don't know if it was the last episode or if it was a few episodes ago. I don't even know why we were talking about Erica Branson, to be honest with you, because I don't think he's really given us a lot to talk about. But I know that I had mentioned at some point, I'm kind of giving him a second this year because I know that I had similar feelings with Riley Nash. And then by the time Riley Nash left, it was like, oh, like I think we'll miss Riley Nash. Like I like what he brought to the team. I Yeah, it's a D. Yeah, and it's I'm really hard. Go- I'm going to go with a D2. Just continue, but that's my same grade. It's just, like, hard for me not to go – it's, like, almost hard for me not to go lower, though, because, like, he, on the flip of it, where we've talked about Matthew Olivier, like, being brought in for a role, like, Erica Branson was brought in for a similar role and is not in any way, shape, or form match that energy, and we're paying him a lot more than we are paying Matthew Olivier. And that has been even more visible, I think, this year. Now, let me say that. this That has been more visible this year because of everything that you mentioned earlier with basically our defense being a walking China doll and having so many injuries. It's made it so that way, like, Erica Branson is put in situations where he has to play more and he should be shining and he's not. And at the end of the day, that probably makes sense because it's not really the role that he's meant to play, but – it's been challenging even with that to just see him like be the guy who sticks up for his teammates and is a leader on the ice and is, you know, willing to challenge people who want to give anybody of our, any one of our players a hard time. He just hasn't been any of that for me, Laura. Yeah. I, I am trying to give him a little bit of grace because of being new and the situation, but there just hasn't been, anything that I think we were we were told in this situation um and I hope that that changes like I really do I don't I don't have faith that it's changing this season at all um but my hope is that over the summer and through camp that we get to see a bit more of what we were promised essentially with with him coming to Columbus but yeah it's just really been underwhelming and yeah, I, I think the the D stands. So the D stands alone, <laughs> as it often does. <laughs> anyway, uh, Andrew Peak. Speaking of peaks, he has not had very many valleys this season. Well, I mean, maybe maybe that's not true. I, he was scratched for a couple of games. Yeah, but like, I I guess a little bit, but I think if you're looking at him, his consistency, like he's had the fewest injuries, if he's had any. I think the only reason that he hasn't played in all the games is because he was benched or scratched. Um, Yeah, because he was scratched for two games, right? mm Mm-mm. Okay, he's missed two. So, yep, that's the only reason. Um, Had a goal in the last game against Washington. That's not something he does very often, but he's done it five times this year. 
Mm-hmm. And he's played pretty like here's the thing. Advanced analytics will tell you that Andrew Peak is one of the worst defensemen in the league. Like that is what like like and that's like sometimes he is. <laughs> sometimes he is. Like sometimes it's usually usually if you look at a Blue Jackets game score after a game, which will like look into those advanced analytics. Oftentimes you'll see Andrew Peak and Erica Branson cuddling at the bottom. Like oftentimes, like that's what you see. Ah. I felt like he was gonna take a step this year that he hasn't. Like I like he's been consistent and he's been okay, but like I thought he was gonna like really solidify himself as a Blue Jackets top four defenseman, and he hasn't done it. Yeah. I it's a C minus for me. Yeah, he hasn't done what you think he would do in in a situation where we are met with so many injuries and he has this opportunity to like take charge and like really show <clears throat> sorry and like really show what he can do especially with Zach being out through the whole season like this was prime opportunity and he just hasn't taken advantage of it and he is he is a liability sometimes i mean not as often as they think people as statistics say like but what was your grade uh c minus yeah no i'm gonna go with a c i feel like that feels right yeah i'm not gonna tell you you can't go with it um you're wrong but i'm not gonna say you can't oh okay (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. So now we get into something that I think you're going to have fun with, and that's our goaltenders. Mm-hmm. We'll go easy first. Let's go with Jonas Corbisalo. Thank you. Um, well, this is kind of hard, too, because <laughs> um, not just because goaltending is my favorite position, but also because Corpy... There's a lot of feelings with Corpy. And I think that for every fan, there's a lot of feelings with Corpy. Because we've seen, we've definitely seen Corpy's highs. We've definitely seen Corpy's lows. We've seen Corpy like really like just progress and grow and mature and basically have his like, this is going to sound weird, but like his hockey puberty, like as a blue jacket. Uh uh. What it's true, hockey, not you saying hockey puberty, it's true. I'm scared of um, that. and he's he's come out the other side, and especially this season after his like you know massive injury setback last season, um, and shown us a lot of the times the Corby that we know and love, the strong goaltending, the cool head, the you know, the 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 baseline in goaltending that we need. Um, but it, it comes then down to the fact that we only signed him to a one-year extension um, that he has, in my opinion, I think played well enough to increase his trade value to a point that teams would be interested in him. And there's potential that we could get some, some good things in return it is a little bit. There's not as many teams right now looking for goaltenders, so that kind of, you know, 
waves things a little bit, but I will say that the idea of him not being a blue jacket is very like sad and painful. And I can't really imagine him being anything else, but, and I can't really imagine like us playing against him in any sense. Like that seems weird too, but he's definitely powered through. I don't think it's been perfect. Obviously goaltending has been an overall mess kind of for for us this season much like everything else but i i'm going to give him a b plus yeah no i think that that's i mean i think you're on to something like the thing about his year that's so strange is that like you look at his stats and you see that he has a 335 goals against average and you expect that that means that he has just been swiss cheese but the reality is now i will say washington vancouver bad games for him like he came into the all-star break with a couple of rough ones but to that point the positive there is that you look at his save percentage on the year and it's higher than his career average. It's just that the Blue Jackets are letting up so many fucking shots this year that he's just like falling victim to that. And and the thing is, is that like this has been such a resurgent year for him in terms of coming back off of injury and having a year where he can prove it. And even if, like you said, he doesn't end up sticking around in Columbus, I think he's proven it. I think he's shown that he is at least an NHL goaltender, whether that's a starter or a backup is, is, a conversation that folks can have, but this is, this is a good year for Corpy. Like I, I think he has been consistent enough to, to at least get a B from me. Uh, I'm going to go with a B, went B plus, but I'm, I'm really content with what I've seen from Corpy this season. All right. Are you ready to do it? Oh no. <laughs> All right. And then we move on to, the guy from Riga, Latvia, number 90, Elvis Merzlikens, Laura. <sighs> this one is uh, a lot. As as everyone knows, I love Elvis. Big fan. But I'm also not blind enough to not notice that, like, this has been a terrible season for him. Like... It is just not, it's not good. Not all of it is his fault, even though everyone wants to say that it's his fault. The team that's been playing in front of him is also having a terrible time. And you, there have been many games where you can definitely tell that the team plays differently in front of him than they play in front of Corby. But there is something wrong. I don't know what that is. That is for him to figure out, for the team to support him through, for Manny and for the other like coaches to like try and work with him on because I I'm not giving up on him. Like I truly, truly believe that this is just a bad year and a bad time and like and we're just going to ignore some of the other stuff that happened earlier on in the season, the personal things, like, because those suck. Don't get me wrong. But like knowing how Elvis is, he would want this to be focused on his gameplay and he knows that things are not right. 
and he knows, and he said it publicly that he he doesn't know what's wrong and he's trying to figure it out. But when you look at things from the overall season, it's bleak. Um, and I know what you're probably going to give him, but I, oh God, I'm going to give him a D plus. And what am I going to give him? An F. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I am. I mean, like, I think it's, like, it's the expectation, like, it's the expectations not being met to such an extreme measure, and it's just, like, it's, like, such an overcorrection from, like, <laughs> like, what, like, you thought he could be this year versus, like, what the reality is, and there's a lot of truth to what you said about, like, the playing in front of him and the the quality of the defense in front of him, and all that is true, but for, for so long, it was the it was the opposite. It was like people said that the team played so much better in front of Elvis and how unfair that was to Corpy. And you shouldn't judge Corpy's goal. Like you shouldn't judge his stats based on that. Like, and now we're flipping the script to, well, the team plays so much better in front of Corpy and this and the other. I mean, like the reality is, is like sometimes these teams just like, this team just kind of sucks to begin with. So like, it's not like either team, either goaltender is getting the best out of their teams in front of them. It's just been a bad year for Elvis. And I'm, I'm not giving him an F thinking that it is the last opportunity he has to shine. Like, that's not where I'm at at all. But when you talk about this season alone, I don't know how you go lower than an F or higher than an F. It's just hard for me. I'm proud of you for giving him a D plus though. That felt like it was big for you. Thank you. Yeah, that was big. I just, I, I, yeah, I, and again, I am more sensitive to like people's opinions about him. Some of which I think are too strong. But I think um, I think we can agree that really a lot of opinions about most sports are too strong when you consider how life exists outside of sports. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but I think that this season in particular for Elvis has been very eye-opening. And that gives me a little bit of hope that because of how determined he is as a person, um that things are going to be different and be better. That's my hope anyway. But I also know people make fun of me because I'm an Elvis apologist, but like, I, I'm just not ready. <laughs> I'm not ready to throw in the towel. I like how you and say he's like not, and he's not either. Like if you've watched any interview with him, he is not either. And he is also very upset with, with how this season has gone. I like how you say people make fun of you when we both know that the only person that makes fun of you for it is me. Megan sometimes does. Does she really go Megan? Yeah, she does. All right, everybody. Well, that that concludes this portion of the episode, which was... A, B, C, D, what will they choose? Laura and Jeremy's player reviews. All right, that was a big one, girl. That was a big one it was but it's over now it is talk to you next week bye guys <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Um, no, no, no. We'll wrap this up the same way that we always do. And that's by reminding you that there's some cool things happening this week, uh, for subjectively speaking. So uh, we've got uh, at least one interview that I'm hoping we have on Friday's episode where we'll be shifting our focus a little bit less to what's happening on the ice. So we'll be talking a little bit more about Hockey is for Everyone, uh, which is an initiative that uh, every team recognizes in some way, shape, or form, and uh, it has been uh, not recognized in some ways this year that have been a little challenging. And so we really want to shift our focus on that episode to talking about some of the things outside of the game, uh, that the, the literal game itself, I mean, that are really important to us. And so we're going to spend some time doing that on Friday. Uh, and, you know, regardless, I'm just going to say this now, like, so, and I'll reiterate it on Friday, regardless of what this team does on Friday to celebrate folks who are not usually included in hockey spaces, please know that you're included here. You belong here. We belong here. I belong here. Laura belongs here. We all belong here. So um, we're going to spend some time celebrating that on Friday. So, and we're probably going to be doing some of that on social media as well. And so Laura, <laughs> I mean, why would I take such a thing away from you? I've never done that before. Why would I start now? You have done it before, but Lies. I agree <laughs> um, Yeah, so yeah, follow along. We are going to be having some special content uh, towards the end of this week um, and probably over the weekend as we just continue that that motion of because it's not, you know, the, these people need to feel recognized or these groups um, that we both fall into as well need to feel recognized all the time, not just one game a year for their team or you know, one month of the year, like we just, people need to feel like they belong regardless anyway, but yes, we will have special content. You can follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at subjectively pod. You can follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at subjectively speaking. Uh, we do have a very lovely website. If you would like to find all the links to the things that I'm talking to you about right now, you can go to subjectivelyspeaking.com. If you would like to support your two favorite hockey podcasters and get some sweet merch in exchange, we are hopefully having some new designs uploaded soon, which we're very excited about. Um, you can visit our merch store, subjectivelymerch.com. And then lastly, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, uh, particularly if you are on Apple Podcasts. Scroll on down hit five stars. Uh, it is our favorite number. And we don't know how the algorithms work. We just know that like subscriptions, comments, all that sort of stuff helps us get noticed in the hockey podcast charts and helps to bring more people into this beautiful little community that we are building. Um, and so we just, you know, love and appreciate you all so much. That we do. And until the next time we get a chance to talk to you all on Friday, we hope you take care of yourselves, take care of one another, and we will chat with you then. Bye.